Hey, No Stroke listeners. David and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to this episode. If you find our podcast valuable, we ask that you consider supporting us with a small monthly donation. You could head over to nostrokepod.com to become a supporter of the show and help David and I continue to create content for listeners in our stroke community around the globe. Now let's get to today's episode. This is the No Stroke Podcast with your co-hosts, David Dancero and Michael Garrow, helping you to support and thrive in life after stroke. Their podcast is designed for educational and community support purposes only and should not replace medical treatment and guidance of your own health professional team. Welcome, everyone, to episode 38 of the No Stroke Podcast. My name is Dave Dancero. I'm here with my co-host, Michael Garrow. Hi, Mike. What's happening, David? We are, you know what, we're, we're in the final stages of the year. It's crazy. It's been a quick year. It's been an action packed year for, for the both of us really, you know, happy with, with the growth of the podcast and excited for what's coming in 2024 or 2023. Hey, maybe 2024 as well. Yeah. But um, (laughs) David, what's been, what's been happening in in your world? Yeah, no, just it's been yeah, a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah, no, uh, um, I'll just say, you know, as you say, we're getting ready to close out the year. One of my favorite uh, lookbacks last year was when we did our year in review and just put a collage together of, of really mm-hmm. all the folks that, you know, we uh, had time to sit down behind the mic and talk to about their mission, their why, you know, from from those in tech and industry to survivors and caregivers and those doing the hard, heavy lifts of of helping to support life after stroke. So um, I, as we wind down the year, it, you know, it is a busy, busy, busy time. So, you know, what's, what's going on here is this has been, um, you know, we, we, we recorded and you, you, you'll be able to introduce our guests shortly because I was have, had to be absent for this actual interview, unfortunately, but it just goes to show that, you know, what you and I are doing the work of trying to get this done and making, making this happen because it's part of our why and our mission and it's dear to our heart, but you know, real life, real life comes in the way and, and uh, you know, you, you, you have to work hard to make, make ends meet and things are happening in the economy now that aren't favorable for many. So everyone is feeling that pinch and that struggle right now. So I just want to say that, um, you know, we recorded uh, and we, and we will get this one out after we we have today's guest but we have we also recorded one you know just kind of sets the stage we recorded one prior to this interview on on halloween you know and and that's uh we we were still doing working on our our post-production on that because it you know there was barking door dogs on my end there were there were real life things that and there were kids coming to the door for halloween as we recorded in the evening or early in the morning Mm -hmm. for many of our episodes but, um, you know, I wanted to share that, that I, you know, I, I feel bad I wasn't able to make this last podcast and meet our guests, but I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to this episode and actually hearing it too, for the first time on my end. But, um, you know, we did have the opportunity to be on the other side of the mic, Mike. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to t- talk about briefly about that and uh, for the, in the news, and then I'll let you take over. Um, but uh, you did a great job. We were guests on the uh, no plateau podcast by our friends at sabo henry hoffman was a guest on our show and then we sat behind the mics with um ceo pete uh, pete duran and make sure i said his name right yes <laughs> uh, and uh do you i i what were your thoughts on that like that was uh we did that a while ago but it it, it came out 
last week and I finally had a chance to listen to it. I had a few thoughts, but uh, talk to me more about that and what, what you thought being on the other side of the mic. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a nice experience. I mean, like you said, it's, it's a, it was a little different, you know, kind of being on that other side, you know, being asked the questions, but it was, I think a little therapeutic, I would say, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, it's, you know, we always, t- we've talked about our why, but I think really being able to showcase that caregiver perspective um, was one, you know, a, a nice opportunity for me to reflect and kind of open up, but, but also, you know, hopefully share with, with others that are out there and not just caregivers, survivors, but, you know, folks trying to innovate, folks, you know, working in, in the healthcare system that could drive change, you know, some of those blockers um, that, that we still face. Um, and I think that was shown, you know, really along the lines, I, you know, spoke a lot to the need for personalized and long-term support um, as it's not just a, a one-year process, three-year process. It's a lifelong recovery process for many. Um, so yeah, it, it was a it was a nice opportunity to kind of you know both reflect and also showcase you know based on our knowledge and you know lived experience, but also you know the ability to kind of talk to a lot of these experts and see where these gaps are. Um, you know, share that with with the guys over at, at Sabo. Yeah, no, I. I... I have to admit that, that that I I appreciate your point of view on that too because uh, you know that's what makes I think what we're doing special is that we we have both sides of the lens from the survivor and caregiver perspectives. Um, but I, I have to admit I I finally got a chance to listen to that episode and and I had to stop on my tracks. I was uh, out on a walk and and I found myself catching myself taking a big gasp of a breath. Um, and maybe it's because I'm, I, I've been having a little bit of a writer's block for those who don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to, I've been trying to get the, my survivor book out for a while now and interviewing and, and, and it does bring up a lot of, uh, things that we as survivors kind of block away until you have to bring them to the surface and it gets, it, it's raw again. And, uh, you know, and I haven't had time to, you know, reach back to Henry and, and, and Pete on this, but you know, what I'm writing now is, is like stroke survivors have to lie. We have, we have to lie in a lot of ways because you have a lot of scars that uh, you need to protect your family. Um, and to, I just, I found myself uh, and again, it, it kind of helped me get through a, a, a writing block that um, I, you know, if I'm going to be real and help more people and that's why we do this show, right. To, to make a difference and not kind of just, you know, do the rah, rah, everything's going to be all right. It's real. And I think in the news, the other side of that, maybe the timing happened for a reason is, you know, what you see in the news with uh, John Fetterman and the election in Pennsylvania and, you know, good for him, really good for him for speaking up and making it aware that he had a brain injury the stroke is a brain injury and he had to try to fake it for a while because he didn't want the perceptions that he was damaged. But, you know, we know now that we're recording this, that, the that, you know, it, it set, it said, set the stage for, there were people who said he's damaged. He can't do his job anymore. And there's others that if you put the right accommodations in place and let someone thrive, they still can. And that's our, that's been our kind of 
our mission is like, let's talk about strokes, stroke survivors thriving, not just surviving. Well said, well said. Um, you know, I, we, we always do preach that thriving aspect, but it, like you said, without that community, without that support behind them, it, you know, they're often lost. Right. So we hope, you know, our listeners, both from survivors point of view, you know, you're getting that, that thrivership, you know, you're getting that support through listening to this podcast. And also, you know, for the healthcare practitioners working in stroke listening to this, I think that, you know, what David just showed exemplifies, you know, exactly some of these barriers and, and what's currently lost in the system. So yeah, thanks, David. I, that yeah. was, that was from the old heart. I yeah, I'm sorry to put it. you on the spot. I didn't want to, you know, I, if we're <laughs> going to be real, we're being real yeah, over hey, the last couple hey. of weeks and these things are, Absolutely. you know, a top of mind. So I'm talking about it. And uh, mm-hmm. so let's switch gears. You were, you were able to, uh, in your busy schedule, get down an early morning interview. So why don't you uh, introduce our, our, our guest here? Unless uh, I don't want to cut you off if you, uh, if you, if there was something else in the news that was top of mind for you. No, um, I think, you know, we, we could get right into it. So yeah, this episode, again, it's a, it's going to be a little different. Fortunately, we had to do, I had to do this solo. So um, I interviewed um, Patrick Dunn, who's the program director for the Center of Health Technology and Innovation at the American Heart Association. Uh, this is one that we've been trying to get in for a while, but it's actually, it worked quite well because they just came off the back of their annual scientific sessions which is a you know huge huge event out in chicago this year patrick and his team you know focused within the health tech space stood up a innovation showcase so brought in about five startups to talk through their model how they're how they're bringing in what's now um life simple eight i know we we talked previously about life simple seven that the american heart association kind of frame um, a lot of their care models off of um, but they've, as you'll hear in the episode here, um, they've grown that to one more included sleep within that um, pillar. So, um, yeah, it was cool. They, you know, you, we'll we'll touch on obviously the work being done with Patrick and his team from a health technology point of view. Um, we'll touch on some of the great uh, sessions that happened at the at the event, and really talk around you know the the growing need for digital health solutions that actually engage patients, right? So Patrick has a great background, you know, has a, a PhD in public health at Walden University, um, has done a lot earlier in his career from cardiac rehab management, and now kind of sits at this uh, intersection of health technology and, you know, the the, the payers, the providers, and, and trying to bring in that network to scale solutions across the ecosystem. So um, fascinating discussion. You know, I, I think happy to get into this one. I think we'll just leave it, you know, the day that we're recording this um, Friday, November 11th, special day for many. Um, and I know yourself as well, David, as Veterans Day. Uh, so happy Veterans Day to all. Have any last words? No, it, well, well said, Mike. I'm looking forward to listening to this one myself. So uh, thanks for again for doing that. And you're you know commitment to keeping keeping the podcast moving as this was a crazy month and continues to be on my end and i know it is for you too end of the year so thanks uh thanks thanks for uh getting this one done 
we support each other my friend all right if you like this one please share like subscribe it does help enjoy this interview welcome to the no stroke podcast patrick so nice to have you here great thank you for having me absolutely i know we've we've been connected for a few months now we tried to do this i believe around um a saint patty's day version i think you have some irish blood in you right of course Thing, you know, I'm, I'm glad it finally worked out. We, we got you here today and it's timely as well because we're just coming off the back end of the American Heart Association Scientific Conference out in Chicago, um, where I know you worked a lot and, and brought some some amazing innovation um, to to the group to showcase you know some of the work that you're specifically focused on. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll save time. We're definitely going to dive into that. But just for our audience, can you give a bit of background? You know, you're of your professional career and what led you um, to your current role within the sure. HA? Yeah. So I'm the program director for the American Heart Association Center for Health Technology and Innovation. I've been with the American Heart Association for about 10 years. My background is in cardiac rehab. I'm both a clinical exercise physiologist and a software engineer. So I kind of touch both the healthcare professional side as well as, as the tech side. And you know, and so my passion really is in, you know, cardiovascular disease, secondary prevention, um, cardiac and even stroke rehabilitation, both secondary prevention focus, as well as just, you know, rehab and getting back into the, in, into your normal life. And so, you know, a lot of that's through, through, you know, knowledge and information. A lot of it's through behavior change. My specific area of interest is health literacy. And in the context of my work, it's digital health literacy. So do people actually understand the information coming to them through their app or their wearable? And are they they using that information to make better, more well-informed health decisions? And do those decisions lead to better health outcomes? Very cool. And I know, you know, the a, the American Art Association, you know, they're, it's such a large organization, right? And, you know, there's, there's a lot of attention that goes around heart disease and, and stroke. For this spinoff, you know, really focused on technology and innovation, you know, how, how did that kind of come about? And what, what's the mission of your specific yeah. organization within, you know, the AHA? So our Center for Health Tech and Innovation was created in 2016, so about six years ago, by our CEO, Nancy Brown, really to be a center of excellence for tech and innovation within the organization. And our role is really to be a connector. You know, the American Heart Association is not a tech company. You know, we're really a science-based organization. And so our role is really to be a connector between the tech world and the clinical and scientific and even the payers and even the patients. But the, you know, so part of it is just simply um, serving as a convener, like what we just did at scientific sessions, not just bringing in a bunch of academics and researchers, but bringing in a wide range of skill sets and professionals, and really trying to help them get on the same page. They really, many times the, the techies, you know, the engineers, and the clinicians and researchers, they speak different languages. They have different goals, different value sets, and just trying to help them kind of understand their their common shared goals and beliefs. We also help them improve the up their game when it comes to science. 
you know, so really, you know, whether that's embedding science, you know, through education, through guidelines, through protocols, right into their solutions. And as importantly is helping them do better research. There are still many gaps when it comes to the use of, of health technology across the spectrum from the patient to the provider, to the technology, to the payer. Um, so many, many forms of gaps, you know, not the least of which is just simply better, better data, better outcomes that the solution actually does what it says that it does. And it achieves the outcomes that it purports to achieve. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Enjoying this episode, Mike and I would like to remind you, we now have a show supporter option on our website. Follow the heart button to help support us and continue to make great content possible. We'll give you a shout out on the show too when you do. We appreciate your generosity. Yeah, and that's so important, right? And it, especially in a complex condition like stroke, you know, where it's super individualized um, and trying to get those outcomes are, it's a different view for almost each stroke patient, right? Like of what that, you know, long-term goal exactly. is, what that outcome is. So, so I know I've, you know, in some of the research I saw, you know, you guys have a few different like membership models and ways that you actually work with some of these yeah different collaborators. So can you just bring us through, you know, maybe an example of, of yeah. one of the companies you work with and like how, you know, a solution, let's maybe take Livongo. I know you, you've, you know, you work yep. closely with them, right? So what is it that you've been able to kind of, you know, advance and, and let's just, you know, bring it through in terms of like, yeah, the, the let, model me, let me you bring can... you through the different levels and I can give you some examples of companies yeah. at, at each of those levels. That'd be great. And you may say, why do we have to have these different levels? Well, the reason is the American Heart Association is a not-for-profit organization. So we have to be very careful, first of all, with our brand, but also with our not-for-profit status. You know, so how do these relationships look? And so we very, very intentionally created this structure, which honestly doesn't work for everybody, but it is the structure that we've created. And it's really three levels. So there's an innovator network level where you're joining the club. You're, you're in, our, in our ecosystem. Um, we, you, you have um, some access to using the, the American Heart Association brand. We um, do the same. And one of the key benefits is participating in the events like what we just had. So a lot of networking, a lot of just... Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a really core, core feature of the innovator network. Lavongo would be an example of that they're, they're in our system. We have about 50 companies right now in our network. Um, so, and about half of them are at the innovator network level. Some of them are very early and, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're in and they're, they're one, you know, we hope that, you know, we kind of grow and we frankly hope some of them turn into the next Lavongo, you know, mm -hmm. from a, from a quality and a financial perspective, mm. the next level up is, um, is that. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Is that like a, I assume that's a paid membership model for these? It's a paid membership model, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. So, so the 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 standard 
rate is approximately $25,000 per year. We okay. like to have a multi-year commitment. And the reason for that is what we're doing is really trying to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these things don't just happen overnight. So we need, we need time to really cultivate that relationship. And you may also say, why do we need to have a paid membership? Well, part of that is there are so many companies that want to be part of our network that we do kind of have to have some filter for that. And so it, it so that's, that's really why that, that, that happens. But frankly, I'd love to be working with, with everybody, uh, but there's, there's only certain capacity to, to do that. Right. Right. So that's the innovator network. The next level up, we call it our integrators. And so in addition to becoming part of the network, they actually integrate our, uh, so we, we've created, and this is really the primary thing that I do within our center, is we've created a content management system that is a collection of both static educational content for both patients and healthcare professionals. So when I say static, I'm talking videos and articles and messages, things like that, as well as over 100 assessments. And the assessments then make it dynamic. It makes it two-way. And those assessments can be basic things like, how are you feeling today? Are you experiencing any symptoms? Are you taking your medications? To biometric assessments, like please enter your blood pressure or your weight or your glucose. To more knowledge-based assessments of their health literacy and their self-management skills. So then the collection of these educational content and assessments, we're able to create what we call care plans. Now for the clinicians that are listening to this, we've really over the years kind of adapted what we mean by a care plan. So it's not, it's, it's a very patient centric form of a care plan. So really the patient and the end or the end user, however we want to label them, is really in control, which is much different than if you're in the hospital lying in the bed. It's really the the healthcare professionals that are applying the the care plan to you. This is almost the reverse, where the the end user, the the patient is the one kind of in charge. But what it does is it helps them prioritize, set their goals, create an action plan, and then act upon that plan. And it crosses, you know, a cardiovascular and stroke conditions. So post-acute conditions like heart attack and stroke, as well as, you know, chronic, you know, conditions like atrial fibrillation and heart failure, and then more risk factor management like hypertension, diabetes, as well as all the way up to really a guiding principle. In addition to our guidelines and scientific statements are what we call life's essential eight. So these Mm -hmm. are eight core factors that cross all of these conditions and they cross from heart disease also to stroke they also cross into non-cardiovascular conditions these eight factors are physical activity nutrition weight tobacco cholesterol blood pressure glucose and the newest one the eighth one is sleep so um, then the final comment on that is we've also we know this is not a one-size-fits-all So we've created segmented versions of all of these plans based on really how engaged and the personality profile of the individual. 
So there's some people that are hard to motivate, not very engaged. It's a very, it looks like it's a very different plan than someone who's super motivated, ready to go, wants a lot of information. So we create these different, different pathways, all trying to get to the same place, just through, through different pathways. So that's an example of an, of, a, of an integrator. We have a number of integrators um, in our system. Some of them, quite honestly, are still in development because this is still relatively new. Uh, we were working very closely with the RAIN Foundation. The RAIN Foundation developed our cardiovascular precision medicine platform. Uh, we've created a number of solutions with them. We're also working very closely. Another an example would be Canary Telehealth. They're a company that was selected by our National Hypertension Control Initiative as a platform for what's called SMBP. So basically home-based blood pressure monitoring for patients in federally qualified health centers. There's one level up. It's called it, we call it now our advanced integrator. And that's where we actually co-develop something that's new and unique. So it's not just integrating our science. It's actually going to the next level and creating something new. And we did that with, um, an example of that would be with Happify. So Happify is a mental health platform, and we co-created a, a program with them called Pulse. So it's kind of at that intersection of cardiovascular and mental health. So those are really the three levels. There's kind of a, a variant of all three of those, which is just research. So we do a lot, we love to do research. Um, and our area of focus really is, is health tech research. Fascinating. You know, I I think that model, especially with what you're focused on in that integrator network, um, has so much opportunity. And w one question, just so I have the understanding right, like, it, would this be, like, are you guys creating, do you own some of this tech? Is it like API based focused? That, you oh, know, yeah. So, so the way it works is, uh, so we own the, the content, you know, the mm -hmm. care plans. We don't even attempt to own the tech. So the way it works is uh, it's, it, it is delivered by an API mm -hmm. to these third-party integrators. You know, using the API, they can then, you know, build these care plans or, or even just, comp, you know, some of the content flows or assessments yeah. right into their solution. They don't have to yeah. redirect, oh, go to the American Heart Association to find out about this. They can literally build it right into their solution. That's, that's amazing. And, and I think, you know, I'm currently, you know, in a product role with the with a large healthcare system, and and like our one of our issues right now is around content, right? Like that educational content, and really yeah. the trusted source, right? Oh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, being able to collaborate, like for these startups to be able to collaborate with an organization like yourself and kind of put that trust. Yeah, their we have about four thousand content assets um, within the system. That number, you know, always grows. And it really, you know, on the being a trusted source, I mean, this stuff literally is in virtually constant review because as new information, as new guidelines and statements come out, we have, we had to create a system where we could, we could flag, okay, a new, for example, back in April, we came out with new heart failure guidelines. So when we do that, you know, and it's not just, 
you know, the heart failure care plan, because these things are so broad, it kind of crosses into many conditions, including a stroke patient, for example, who has heart failure. So literally identifying those content items and either retiring them, updating them, or replacing them. And so, and every month, new guidelines and scientific statements come out. In fact, in, in the, at the end of June, we changed our whole structure from what was Life Simple 7, we added sleep, became Life's Essential 8. We had to go back and re- literally restructure the care plans because the care, these care plans are built around this, this, this rubric. Yeah. So, but from a, it's from a peace of mind perspective, you know, a lot of these tech platforms, you know, they may have a, a medical director, but they, they don't really have the scientific infrastructure to constantly be reviewing all of this stuff and making sure that it's constantly up to date. And so that's, that really is a big value proposition for, for what this is. Yeah. And, and again, just the, as a third party, like for these start, startups to be partnered with an organization like yourself, I mean, that's that. Yes. Level well, and that's set. why and, they know, all, there, there are, why, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so many libraries out there. Right. But like, that's a key for you guys. And and you have the, the infrastructure to, to, like you're saying, continuously be building on that research and some of the well, other organizations aren't as trusted. Another big um, advantage we have is, you know, when something new comes out or if, if a, if a integrator is in a specific area, we have the ability to reach out directly to the subject matter experts who frankly wrote the guidelines yeah. And we, you know, and the beauty of our organization is, you know, those, those subject matter experts love to work with us and they love to be part of committees and advisory groups. And so it's easy to convene them. Right. And a great example is at our meeting we just had, there, there was an issue that has always come up for me. So my background is in cardiac rehab, exercise physiology. It's with, and this relates to stroke patients. It's the patient with atrial fibrillation. Yep. And basically low intensity and high intensity in patients with, that have a high heart rate response. And the the reason that it's important is now with home-based programs where people are self-monitoring. Okay. So you have a patient in AFib. Most patients, you know, they're on anticoagulation. They're usually on meds that blunt their heart rate response. So their rates are usually pretty low, usually below 100. But every once in a while, you get a patient with AFib and the rate will go up into the, say, 120s. So what did we, what did we do? We formed an advisory of like literally the experts. And, and, we're, and not just on a panel, on a stage, sitting on, you know, comfortable chairs, Literally, this is an advisory group that's meeting regularly and is going to come up with a position paper on how to monitor that type of patient. So that is an example. It's really the fun part of my job is to find those those fun, unique things. And let's 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 see what the experts say about this. Yeah. And and let's dig into the um, the your innovation showcase a little more. I know, again, this is just earlier. Well, it was last week up in Chicago. Yep. So yeah, I, I I was able to go through the program. Unfortunately, I wasn't there, but I was able to kind of take a look and see some of the the speakers and, you know, kind of get an idea of what 
you know, it was discussed, but do you want to just quickly kind of bring the audience or, you know, what, yeah. what you, especially within your, right. Cause you had your own, like the health tech pavilion. Within so we had a health tech pavilion. pavilion. It was really kind of a mini tech, not even mini. It was a tech conference within the larger um, scientific sessions. We had 22 events over three days and all told all, over uh, 70 speakers. So a couple of highlights, you know, the most popular event always at these is our health tech competition. Mm-hmm. So we had five companies um, that were the, the finalists. And the, the fun part about that is they were five companies that all do different things. So they wasn't like just five, five things that the same. And we tried to restructure and make the, the competition even a little bit more interesting. So a lot of times you go to these and you got this company and they're trying to explain everything about their company in five minutes. It's almost impossible to do. And so what we did is we, we did it over a two day period. So day one, we had, um, it was focused on the, the business and the sustainability of the, of the technology. And then on day two, it was the science and the impact. And we had, you know, some amazing, you know, judges, which are, are, you know, scientific experts. We even had a celebrity judge on day two. It was Star Jones. Star Jones is, is an actress. You may have heard of her, but she's also a heart disease survivor. She's had mm-hmm. open heart surgery herself. She's um, gone through cardiac rehab herself. So, so that was really probably the highlight of the event. But there were a couple of others that were also, to me, really, really fun. I mentioned the one about the AFib and exercise. We also did one. Uh, at the on the last day, it was called Life's Essential Eight and the Intelligent Health Solutions. And it was co-moderated by Dr. Bob Harrington, who is the chief of medicine at Stanford. He was the AHA president in 2020. He's also the leader of our health tech advisory group. The other co-moderator was Dr. Don Lloyd-Jones from Northwestern. Uh, Dr. Lloyd-Jones is the immediate past president of the American Heart Association. And he's really the father of both Life's Simple Seven and Life's Essential Eight. And then we brought in um, a couple of other um, science experts. And then we brought in four different technologies that that did brief demos of how they're using Life's Essential Eight in, in their solutions. And the the best part of the entire event was to see the look on Dr. Harrington and Dr. Lloyd-Jones' face when they could see, you know, their concept of Life's Essential Eight in a, a virtual medical center, in a, in a virtual reality system, um, in an app that's focused on, um, you know, blood pressure monitoring. And in a, actually, one of the apps that was demonstrated um, there's three variations because you mentioned stroke. So there's one for heart failure, one for cholesterol, and a third one for stroke, which is just coming out. So we were able to kind of demo those uh, at the show. But that was that was the fun part was just looking at their face and wow, this is so cool. That's amazing, you know. And it's you know because often, you know, and especially early on, you know, in we're in the digital health industry, right? It's uh, you know, it's these flashy apps and, you know, uh, ex Silicon Valley guy coming out to start a healthcare company that has no healthcare experience. Exactly. But, 
Right. You know, I think now and, and really where it's moving is, you know, that science and evidence based, you know, care and obviously your involvement. But again, these these pillars that, you know, the American Heart Association are, are you know, kind of grounded on and, you know, seeing that Life Simple 7 now eight, you know, rooted in a lot of these technologies and how they're advocating supporting patients must be, you know, brilliant it's, to see. It's really becoming a, a three legged stool. You have to have amazing technology. Mm -hmm. You also need to have great science. And the third is you have to have a platform that's engaging and that's person slash patient centric that people will actually use because it doesn't do any good to have amazing um, technology, great science that nobody uses. So that's really become you know, almost the holy grail. How do you create something that's going to stick? That is, you know, that's just, and that's easy to use, that's part of your life, but also is making a difference. You're, you're spot on there. And I think that's going to have to be a sound bite because, you know, it, it is, it is that three-legged stool. And, you know, I think as we, as we continue to advance and, you know, we're, we're at the stage now, you know, see, you see these telehealth numbers dropping in terms of, you know, what it was through the pandemic. But I think it's, it's as the, and again, I think we're still in the early state, early set of the innings to use a baseball analogy. Uh -huh. I see about 17 baseballs behind you there <laughs> highlighted. So we'll have to, we'll have to talk about that before this ends. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, I, you know, and it's so, so amazing to see, you know, an organization like yourself and, you know, a team dedicated to health tech and innovation and, and, you know, heart disease and stroke. So, you know, it's, it's again early, but you, you're right. It's building those three pillars and, and having it stick. And I, uh -huh. I think that's a challenging thing for many people. I, I don't know many that have, you know, gotten that right just yet. Right. Exactly. But we, we will say it. Um, one one other thing I wanted to touch on from the event, I saw a company or a, a, one of your speakers, um, Pamela from Wake Pamela Forest, Duncan. Uh -huh. Pamela Duncan. Yeah, thank you. And her her concept, it, it was research I found a couple years back around a model called Compass CP, and it was really around like patient reported outcomes um, for right. strokes specifically. Um, can you talk through that? I'm, I'm not sure if you were at that session. You know, I was at that session. session. You know, I, I know Dr. Duncan very well. She's really become a friend. Um, what I know about Compass, um, like you said, it, it's really a platform. Uh, it's really designed to move the needle, really to improve the, the quality of care in stroke patients. Um, you know, and they have their own variation of care plans in there, which again, it's, it's really rooted on her deep expertise. Um, her background is in physical therapy and, you know, stroke rehabilitation. So really, really that deep understanding in the, the journey that a stroke patient is going through. So we love Compass CP um, and, you know, hope to be working closely with them in the future. And the other thing that, that they have, again, without being overly, um, you know, promoting of any, any specific platform is they have the data. You know, she's she's a researcher. She's done the research. She has the data on on the impact of her platform, and that really is something that's lacking a lot of times in these 
tech solutions is they're, they're amazing solutions. There's no doubt about it, but there's still not enough evidence. And especially for an organization like the American Heart Association or for an organization that's determining whether they're gonna pay for something like this, they really need the evidence. And it needs to be at as high level as possible you know, if it's just a single, you know, one arm, single site, one arm study, um, it's really hard to convince, you know, these, you know, high level researchers that, that that's, that that data is real. So it's important to have the data. Data is king, you know, and, and then you match that with, like you said, the, the researchers who, who've been in that for so long. Yeah, I, I, I would love to to kind of dive into that model and, and understand it a little more. Mm -hmm. So if, if you'd like yep. to like to get get around, we could. Yeah, we should do an, we should do a follow up. We'll do a tag team. Absolutely. I know she would love that. Yeah, yeah, she's been she's been on it for. I mean, she's been. I think this what started in like mid two thousand or like yeah, she's been at it for a while. Or yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, great. Yeah, I, I'm glad we were able to kind of talk through you know your work, your work, you know that you know, obviously just came out of the, the recent session there in Chicago. Um, but again, before we finish up every question with our magic wand or every interview with our magic wand question, but before we get there, I did say that we, we touch on the baseballs, um, in oh, the background yes. there. Yes. So what's it, what's the love for baseball? Bring us through that. Yeah, it really goes back. The pictures are a little tiny, but it really represents four generations of my family, um, playing baseball, even, even my grandfather, back into the 1930s. Um, my dad, there's a picture of him as a bat boy in one example and as a player, then, you know, myself and then, and then my boys. So it's just always been, you know, something we've loved. And, you know, with the pandemic, you know, just like, okay, let's, let's have some fun with the background and, and it, it does, it does get people's attention. So it, it's yeah, just been fun to like play around with, you know, something, something interesting. For sure. And how's the elbow or the shoulder? Still no, no baseball. You no, know, my shoulder, my el my elbow was a little trashed. I had ended up getting having some bone spurs in my elbow. Uh, in the I was a catcher, mm. so I ended up having the knees and the hips. Four, four knee operations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the 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 thing that ended ended my journey. <laughs> uh, well, I that I was a catcher in little league and then that's where my career ended in baseball, mm -hmm. but <laughs> very good. Yep. Nice to hear that. Um, yep. So yeah, let's, uh, let's get into this final question. Right. And again, I, I'd love to kind of get your, your, your expertise. Cause right. You're, you're in, so you have the background within cardiac rehab. You've been able to sit and be within, you know, a large organization like the American heart association and specifically looking at some of this technology, so what we're going to do here is hand you a magic wand and you could use that magic wand to redesign the stroke rehab pathway. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what would that look like in your eyes? Yeah. Well, with the magic wand, first of all, I would try to figure out a way to not have as many stroke patients to begin with. Um, and that would mean, you know, better, better stroke awareness better early detection and frankly earlier treatment um, but once we got into the into the stroke um, space you know the, the magic wand would be to find a way to reach all of the stroke patients not just 
a certain subset of patients that happen to live near a center, happen to have the right insurance plan, happen to live in the right neighborhood. You know, it's just, you know, make it some, make stroke rehabilitation something that anybody that needs stroke rehabilitation can, can easily access and do it in a way that makes it so that they don't need stroke rehabilitation a second time. So mm. we, we can prevent that, that second stroke and we can, and that program can get them back to a journey to a, a normal life or as normal life as possible for them. So that's, that's, that would be my magic wand. I like it. I like it. Very well said. Now access for all. And that's unfortunately many of the barriers that are faced, yep. is, you know, so yep. thank you for your time here, Patrick. Uh, you know, I, I, we would love to do, you know, follow up. I think you guys are doing yeah. such great work. Um, so, you know, to be able to, you know, help you highlight some of that to our audience, um, you know, w- would be, I'm sure, super beneficial to both. So let's, uh, let's stay in touch. And great. maybe we'll maybe we could do this in Chicago next year in person. That'd be great. So next year, scientific sessions is in Philadelphia. Oh, all right. I thought I thought we were gonna go a little warmer. I thought you were gonna bring us out to maybe. San I know Diego we used to go something. to places, you know, like you know Orlando, New Orleans, Anaheim, but we're we're apparently on this northern track. <laughs> hey, it's a short short Amtrak ride for me from from New York, so we can okay. make that. All great, right. Great. Well, thank you, Patrick. I appreciate okay. the time. Oh, I should mention, um, actually. So our International Stroke Conference this year is in Dallas. Oh, great! Oh, okay. yeah. So, and we'll be we'll be doing some some fun stuff at the at the International Stroke Conference as well. That's at the I believe at the end of February. Okay, and and sorry, I I also didn't um, ask you know if folks are interested to learn more about you know the the program or get in touch with you directly. You know what's what's the best way for. So that. our our center does have a website. It's ahahealthtech.org. That's probably the the easiest way. If you if you get to that site, there's a contact us. You know that cool. that's probably the easiest way. I can be found, uh, you know, primarily on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, so all right, well, perfect. Yeah, we'll direct folks into the AHA website, and they could do their LinkedIn social media magic if they'd like. But great, all thank right. you, okay. thank you for your time, Patrick. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Stroke Podcast. Be sure to tune in each week for more knowledge on stroke recovery in the brain with tips, technology, and interesting stroke thriver interviews where they share their success to enable you on your own healing journey. Make sure to hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our show. Mike and I will love to ask you to rate and review our show to enable us to grow our audience. Please check the show notes to follow us on social so you can connect and reach out to find more about advertising with us or becoming a guest on our show. Until next time, stay well, keep the faith, and keep moving forward.